Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Minorities in Publishing podcast. For new and returning listeners, you may know you can find the podcast on Tumblr at minoritiesinpublishing.tumblr.com or on Twitter at minoritiesinpub. You can also listen to the podcast anywhere else you listen to podcasts including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Spotify. So this is a very special episode, and I'm incredibly grateful for the multiple guests that we have on today for MIP. And we have members of the HarperCollins Union. And if you didn't know, the union had done a strike, a one-day strike, for better conditions via a contract that has yet to be renegotiated by exec-level people at HarperCollins Publishers. And we're talking in the U.S let me be specific in that case. They went on a one-day strike in July and now are going through an open-ended strike. Maybe this will have ended by the time this episode ends. I really hope so. They are so kind to talk to me about what's going on, what their experiences have been, and workers' rights in general. So welcoming Paris, Genesee, Amunet, and Doris to the podcast. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Of course. I want to preface that this is an episode about the union and about workers. This is not an anti-company, anti-publisher episode. This is really about the issues within the industry that are systemic, along with so many other issues in this industry at large, right? I want to jump in by asking what have your roles been, be it in publishing or at HarperCollins, that kind of motivated you to really feel like this was the right thing to do at this point? I know some of you have may have been at HarperCollins for a long time. Some have maybe had different trajectories into the industry in and of itself. And if you do want to speak to other experience that kind of feeds into this and now being part of a union and being activist in a way, in this way, how has it affected y'all's? And I'm going to ask Doris to start first. And because we have four guests, they're going to preface their names so y'all's can get familiar with who they are. Dara. So I've been at Harper for 15 years and I've served in several capacities in the sales department and I'm the only black woman in my department and it has been that way for my entire tenure. So that was part of the reason that I felt like we needed to strike with regards to the diversity issues because they haven't been addressed. And that's really one of the main focuses. Another focus is also, of course, the money because we all need money. And it took me 10 years to make what I made before I came to Harper at Harper. So I'm just really encouraged by this young group of people who are not going to go for this anymore. And I'm just really super proud of all of them and all of us and just really the youth though, because they're really not going for it anymore. I'm Amunet. And so my time at Harper has been short, but however, I've had two roles. I came in as an intern during the summer for the, the children's and adult sales team. And then shortly after that, I became the marketing assistant on the children's team. It's been a really difficult time in the industry so far. Just the little amount of time that I've been there. It took me a year and about three months to get a position after coming out of special ed teaching. And so I'm a career changer. I have many attributes on my resume and things that I feel like were really valuable to publishing and the industry as a whole. However, it was really, really difficult just getting my foot in the door. 
I'm Genesee. So I started off in publishing at an indie publisher and really, really, really didn't like my time there. It was horrible. And I was making minimum wage. I was the only woman of color on the company and I was the least paid member of the company. When I moved to HarperCollins, it, it was my dream. So currently I'm an associate publicist and I've been in my role for about a year and a half now. When I started, everything was so bright and shiny because it was like so much better than my last working conditions. But like as the year and a half has like progressed for me, getting involved with the union meant like wanting even better for myself that I didn't have to settle with the bare minimum like I could want more for myself in the industry that's why I'm currently participating in the union to advocate for everyone to be able to get better in the industry hi my name is Parrish I use he him pronouns I am an editorial assistant in HarperCollins Children's Department. Before getting into publishing, most recently, I worked as a bookseller and I was part of the unionizing effort with McNally Jackson Bookstores, which was kind of my first introduction to union organizing. Very different situation. The HarperCollins Union has been active since 1942. So we've been active for 80 years. And so we're just renegotiating a contract now. I've been able to see how effective collective bargaining and asking for what we deserve as a group can be. Whereas one person just asking for a raise has minimal impact. I really participate in the union because I think we all deserve better pay, better working conditions, and to be able to work in this industry as a career and not have to rely on partners who make more money or family money to be able to afford this job. (laughs) It's interesting because y'all are saying that you have come from other industries into publishing and have stayed in publishing, even though there have not been adequate compensation and even potentially other inadequacies within the industry. So what keeps you in the industry? I can kind of speak to that some. I really enjoy the community of my coworkers when I work in publishing. I worked book adjacent in my various roles. And I find people to be very passionate about their work. There's a much more positive inclination towards collaboration than I've seen at other workspaces. And I also think I've been going to publishing happy hours for years now, and it's always the same bitch fest. And what I think is different about the HarperCollins Union is we actually have a way to make systemic change and to actually use our collective power to try and implement things that people have been complaining about at happy hours for years and actually make that change that makes it sustainable so that we can love our jobs and survive. (laughs) It's dark. And I just like to piggyback off of what Parrish said about the fact that the low pay is systemic and having to rely on partners. I've actually been, when I asked for a raise, if I could ask a family member for money, So it's obviously that even the executives know that we're underpaid and they just assume that we have a cushion and we're able to pull from it. And that's not true of all of us. And then I'd like to answer your other question, which is what kept me here is that I absolutely love my job. And then at some point you start to feel like maybe they will listen and and things will actually change and then you'll be able to make a change from the inside. 
And then even more just real is that I have a family. I have a son with special needs. I had a father with Alzheimer's and I have two daughters. So I had to keep coming to work. And the fact that I loved it was a bonus because there's plenty of jobs people in these circumstances have to continue showing up to when they don't love the job, which speaks again to what Paris said about the community. So while you might have a toxic area that you're working in, you have other colleagues that you can lean on and who can understand and commiserate with you. And that's just really comforting. So that's what I would say. I'll jump in here. I'm Yonette. So what keeps me in the industry is that I really love books and I'm really passionate about books. And as we all are in the industry. I don't think that any of us go into it thinking, oh, we're going to make a whole bunch of money and you know, we're going to be wealthy off of it or anything. But there's some kind of connection for all of us in the fact that literature and books have, have changed our lives in some kind of way. And I haven't been in the industry for that long, but it definitely took me a long time to get here and it was a struggle. I mean, being a 38-year-old Black woman who is a career changer and taking a $15,000 pay cut is huge. It's huge. And it's something that I actively made the decision to do because I wanted to wake up and do something that I love to do every day. And to me, the cost of my mental health and my spiritual health and emotional health is greater than going to work and making a certain amount of money. However, when we talk about a certain kind of privilege that comes into the industry, I can say that I am a Black woman who has a family who helps me and supports me. And without them, I wouldn't be able to do it. This is not an industry that is going to be sustainable if it's just you um, or you're a single parent or anything. There's a level of privilege that you have to have to even have one of these positions. So it already weeds out so many people from the population and definitely the Black communities and the marginalized communities. And so if I can be part of that systemic change and knowing that my family is providing me these opportunity and I'm grateful and blessed to have that, then absolutely, I'm going to do it. And absolutely, I'm going to walk the line for everybody else who cannot do that because of the position that they're not they're not in because they don't have that position of privilege. And so it's why I do it and it's why I stay. And I love picture books and I love seeing the illustrations and the joy and the artwork and the bold colors uh, and the stories. I'm Jodhasi. And for me, similarly to like all my colleagues here, I love books since I was a little girl. I've always found community and, and loving books and reading books and spending time with people who love books. As I like went into college, my family was really confused as to like what exactly I was doing. They had never really heard of this career path or this being an option. Majoring even in English was like strange to my family. And now being in the industry, there are some days, you know, when I really, really question why I worked on books that I don't agree with and that I, I question why we are even publishing. But then there will come a day where I'll get to read a book and be so happy and then be able to like fulfill asks for that book. And it's like those little moments that bring me hope to be like, if I stick it out long enough, I'll get to work on the books that I enjoy. If I stick it out long enough, I can say that I'll have enough weight to say we shouldn't be publishing this book. And maybe that carries. I want 
that future for myself. I want other people to continue within the industry and be able to like do the things like that. And it's hard to do those things and it's hard to continue, but because I, the things that I can do in the future if, if I do continue. So in listening to everybody say what they say, there's a deep passion here. There's a deep belief system in the work in itself, in the power of books and the power of community. And that is a tether. And so what's being asked here is not a lot from, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a base salary increase that would not cost this particular publisher that much money in the grand scheme of things in terms of like about a million dollars, which I can absolutely say with certainty, I've seen books paid for individually with an advance of higher than that. And also stronger DEIs. We have three things that we're asking for at this point. A higher base salary, which would cost to cover the raises we're asking for for every employee, would be under a million dollars. Harper reported the 2022 fiscal year profits of $2 billion with a B. So we believe they can afford to give us such raises. And that's global HarperCollins $2 billion? I believe it's Harper Global $2 billion. But I would need to check. We are asking asking for union security, which currently we are an open shop and we would like to make it an agency shop, which is some union legalese really that would make our union stronger for future negotiations, as well as uh, we have a couple diversity focused asks. So our three main areas left are financial diversity and union security. Doesn't seem like too much to me. And so there's been no response to date. Management has not reached out to the union to go back to the bargaining table at this time. And so obviously strikes are done as a last resort. And it sounded like via the social media, again, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, majority of people in the union said they were up for an open-ended strike. Yes. Okay. Knowing what this might do in terms of potentially not having an end date, not receiving a paycheck, and who knows what else. Correct. This is something that a lot of conversations were had to make sure that people knew what it means to be on strike fully, what the risks are. And we had an overwhelming majority of people who believed in what the union representatives in the bargaining committee are doing strongly enough that they wanted to support those actions with a strike. So how are y'all feeling? That's kind of an open-ended question, but it is a, a sincere one too. How are people feeling knowing that this was the last resort in terms of a lack of response? For me, Darth, being that I've been here so long and seen so many things happen, I kind of, I'm surprised that it actually happened, but I mean, the issues have been here for all the time that I've been here and I'm sure before. So it kind of, in my opinion, was a long time coming. And again, that's why I'm hats off to the union and the young people and just the people who are committed to a real change in the industry. That's, again, a long time coming. But it's also a little scary. I mean, you're excited because you're like, we're standing for something and we deserve this and we would hope that they would see our value. But it's a little disheartening to know that they haven't even reached out after these 10 days and just to feel like they aren't really concerned with the fact that over 250 of us are on strike and a lot of us are the backbone of our department or carry a lot of weight. Most of us do at least three jobs for the price of half of one. So I think that just we've been really 
leaning on each other and again, building community, which is another thing I've been really happy to see because in the office, it's not encouraged for us to be in community and on the picket line and elsewhere, we're able to converse openly and we're able to share and and it's not that heavy feeling. So I'm just really, really encouraged. I can jump in. It's Genesee, but it's been definitely a lot. I feel like our members are feeling the day 10, but they're also still excited and they're still happy to be out there because they know what it means to like get to the finish line and then be at the finish line and, and know that it was their direct efforts that helped us get to a fair contract but in terms of being on the actual picket line it's cold it's here in the city you know like it's been usually like 30 degrees out on the line on day two it was like raining for most of the day we are all stuffed full of hot hands and we've all kind of just been sharing tips and tricks on what layers are like has anybody heard of like the uniqlo heat tech like ooh, it really keeps warm it really keeps warm i love um, that uniqlo heat tech yes yes that's the community of us like a lot of people from adult and children's don't know each other and we're getting to the chance to be able to meet each other from adult and children which is like a rarity because they don't talk to each other in the office or over email because everything's done so separately and I think that's really cool to see or like departments are like getting to know each other and getting to introduce one another because that doesn't happen in person. And even like I've gotten to meet so many people that I've chatted with online and like this is the first time I'm seeing them. This is the first time I'm meeting them. For me, I'm, I'm enjoying being on the line as much as like I come home in complete exhaustion. Like my body physically hurts from being on the line and I'm like a spring chicken. Like I'm young and my body hurts. Like it shouldn't be hurting like this, but eventually for however long it's going to take, we're going to get a fair contract. I believe that we're going to get a fair contract and like all of the people on the bargaining committee are not relenting. Like they're also telling us like we are going to get a fair contract so i full faith in them and i full faith in all like 220 some odd people that are on strike right now so i mean uh, i'm doing all right it's definitely feeling empowering and exhilarating and also i wake up in the morning like damn wait I don't have a job, but I do have a job, but we're on strike. But you took so long to get this job and now you're on strike. What's the chances that this would be happening? This is so strange. And also I am a hybrid worker. And so I am feeling like I want to be on the line more and more and more. And last week I did get a chance to come up and be on the line. And I was completely exhausted just out of those, that one day. So I can imagine that people who are going up there every day, what their bodies are feeling like. And I also feel like we're going to get what we want and that we are a strong community and we have the same goal and mission. And we are going to be out there as long as it takes. And it feels really good to be a part of that and be with people who are also passionate about what I'm passionate about too. This is Parrish. I agree with what everyone has said as far as the physical exhaustion, the stress, and it has been a very empowering experience. And one of the things that I feel heartened by is seeing how every time management pulls what I think is a bullshit move, 
we are all able to see it. And as opposed to that demoralizing people, it tends to radicalize them further and push them to work harder for our cause because we do not want to be treated poorly. We believe we deserve better than that. Like I believe I deserve better, but I more so believe that my coworkers deserve better. And I think it's much easier to fight for my coworkers than to fight for myself, which is part of why I believe in union organizing, because I might feel like I can put up with a certain level of BS, but I don't want anyone else to deal with that. And I don't want future generations to deal with publishing bullshit. I want there to be a better publishing. There can be this refrain of like, why are people complaining? It's always been like this. And we can look at how inflation works and it hasn't always been like this, but just because something has been bad historically doesn't mean it needs to keep being bad. I want people to be able to afford a roof over their head, um, to go out to dinner every now and then, and to work in publishing. Our asks are very little and we're not getting the response we want yet, but I know that the union members believe strongly enough in what we are doing that I have no doubt we're going to get there. Thank you all for that, sincerely. And, and thank you also for being so candid about the physical toll, because I think people don't totally get that. Like, you know what I mean? There's more, you know, someone's like, you're so brave, but there is a toll to that, um, whether it feels long term or short term or physical, mental, psychological, all that stuff. There is something you have to give in order to get what you want. And it's very unfortunate in this day and age that that's the case. But on top of that, the whole thing of the collective, the community that is being built within the union, I was not able to be in it when I was at HarperCollins. I remember I had started and I said, am I in the union? And they said, no, because you're in like a managerial role or something. And I didn't get that. I was like, that doesn't make sense. I guess I get how a CEO wouldn't be part of the union or a president publisher wouldn't. But I said, I don't know why I can't be. So there were already these hierarchical standards set from the very beginning when you get in there, period but also in terms of like who is allowed even in this union space to be able to be in conversation, maybe even get access to higher ups to force them to think more about these things. And it's interesting also having been in that space among others that, you know, you can feel like you're losing your freaking mind because of what you said, Parrish, of like, it's been this way. This is how it is. Someone, an executive literally told me I couldn't be part of a hiring process that was for Black imprint because that's just not how it goes. Verbatim, I was told that. And so I was iced out of a space that was about Black people and where no other Black people were making a decision about a space for Black people. And that's what I'm used to. I'm used to people saying, you can't do this, da, 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 and then feeling like one of the lone people who's, well, no, that's not right. But then you're checking with other people and saying, okay, I'm not, it's not me. Like that was messed up. Right. So it feels like it's a heartening thing to have a union where there are these conversations happening. You're seeing how management is or isn't responding and that y'all can come together and have these discussions as a group in small groups and big groups or what have you. But it does seem like there's a, a collective thought. I know I've said the word a lot, collective, but it's pertinent here. I think collective That's helping. <laughs> <laughs> That's helping, right? Like, I don't, maybe helping isn't the right word, but there's something there in terms of the union that I think it shows your power, right? Like, y'all are very powerful as individuals and as a union. It shows me why they have been disbanded so much. 
I find fascinating. This has not been so much of an issue because the union is already established at HarperCollins, but in preparation for starting a union, we were trained about what union busting techniques people use. And I do highly recommend looking up on YouTube union busting videos that these big companies, USPS will make to try and fight the Teamsters. Amazon has a great one. And I say great very sarcastically, but where you're supposed to report to your manager if you hear your coworkers saying any phrases that might indicate their interest in unionizing, including the phrase living wage, which is horrific to me that corporations would feel so scared about their workers discussing a living wage. But I think it also shows how powerful it is to band together to demand such things. And if I can speak somewhat to your the bravery comment, I find it interesting that so many of the Leaders in the union and on the picket line are other marginalized people in publishing. Um, we have a lot of queer women who are involved in organizing. And I used to get called brave a lot. I came out as transgender when I was 16 and people called me brave all the time. And to me, I was just doing what I needed to do to survive by coming out. But I think when you have gone through an experience like that, you learn how little courage people in power have who have never had to truly fight for their place somewhere, as well as how powerful it can be to stand up for yourself and to stand up for others and working together. You actually can make huge changes through this process. And I think it's not a mistake that it's marginalized people pushing this movement forward so strongly. And I think that's part of why diversity can be scary for people in power, but it makes for such a richer world. This is Aminette. Um, yeah. Just thinking about what Parrish just said and thinking about what you said in the beginning, Jen, and talking about bravery. And I think that when someone says, you know, you're so brave or this group is so brave, I think that that implies that there's choice. And for me, I feel like I don't really have a choice because if I did decide to be a scab, I wouldn't be protected. So it's not about my bravery. It's about me being protected. If I was at Harper working right now, the union would not be there. So anything could happen to me. And I think that a lot of us who are on the line know that, especially people of color, especially Black people, since there are so few of us there. We're already receiving all of our microaggressions daily and whatever else happens. And so we need protection. And this is the only way that I know I feel safe speaking up and speaking out and actually having a voice and and that my voice can kind of be included is by working with the union. And there are some really amazing people on there who have helped me just kind of get through the day. And my colleagues because without them without the community i would feel like i'm probably going crazy sometimes with some of the things that happen to me daily like did this happen to you this happened to you and with all of us just being in communication with each other we can see that oh wait a minute that's happening over here too 
well, this is how they're trying to divide us. This is what they're doing. They silo us. They have one Black person per team. We can't talk to other people or just the fact that children and adults are siloed alone. It's like, what is that? We all have something to offer to each other and to give to each other and information and tidbits. I mean, all the things that we're finding out from each other from being in community. And so they definitely have this mentality is that they want to separate us because they know that that we're bringing truth to power and that there is definitely more that we can get accomplished by being a collective. So thank y'all for that. Something I asked someone else who is striking is, well, what happens when y'all succeed? And what kind of work environment will that look like? And you, you don't know. You honestly don't know. But I wonder if that's come up too for anybody here of, okay, we succeed, get the demands, and then we go back to work. But it's different now, isn't it? This isn't a freaking movie. This isn't Newsy. Everyone keeps talking about Newsies. I get it. It's a great reference point, but it ain't Newsy. I wish it was Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I want to do choreographed dances on the picket line. <laughs> hey, right. Maybe this is an unfair question and feel free to push back in that case. If you can speak to that or want to, what do you yeah. think it will be like to go back? <laughs> because um, things will change yeah so like i guess i have like a half answer to that because a part of me is like i don't know and the other part of me is like i kind of do know because i feel like there'll definitely be a level of higher ups especially from like middle management more than likely that'll want to know what it quote unquote what it was like to be like on strike or like what it felt like when we reached the contract, just those types of things that they'll be curious about. Or like there's some people within the company that are like not pro-union. They actively don't like the union and things like that. So I was talking with some friends earlier today, literally about what you just asked, like what's going to happen. And like a lot of people are honestly, they're like, I don't know if I would even be able to walk back inside. Like, I don't know if I'll want to, like after after having been on the line X amount of days, because then they're like, for some people that just shows the company really didn't care. They really didn't care as much as they felt the weight and the emptiness within the building, the level of work that had to be taken on by other people. They're like, I don't know if I'll be able to walk back in because they they felt all that and they said however many days. But like some people are very hesitant. I told my friends, I was like, I mean, if any of the execs say anything that's actively anti-union, that's technically like retaliation. And so the execs want to, you know, they can like fuck around and find out because that's retaliation. We can report them. <laughs> fuck around and find Oh man, I love my thing go viral. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say there's a lot of work that needs to get done that's not getting done now because we don't want our authors to suffer for management's poor choices. So we're going to have a lot of work that needs to get done that we're going to be day one back on it. But we also know, especially for our next contract, the power that we have to ask for what we deserve. Yeah. So for me, I kind of, it's funny because I was asked about this too, because a couple of days I was the only Black person on the line. So some of my Black colleagues who aren't on strike were kind of, you know, asking me how I felt about that. And even my husband kind of was like, stay out of the camera, you know, don't draw attention to yourself and thoughts of retaliation. But what I told them both was I've been here for 15 years already. The likelihood of things changing for me is very slim. And I am one who speaks up and I'm sure that doesn't work in my favor as well. But if I can help make things better for these younger people who have really 
dreamed and aspired and worked to become what they want to be in publishing. If I can help them to have a better work environment, to have a better space in their head and mental health wise, and just to have a less toxic workplace. And I'm, I'm all for that. And what I really hope is that when we do go back, that all of these relationships that we've made, these connections that we've made on the line, that they carry back inside with us. And it doesn't go to, you see someone, but you don't really acknowledge them or stuff like that. Or if you're with a certain person and you don't say hello, I hope that people realize and remember who was there for them, who was there with them, who stood against this organization, who doesn't value us and that we can still carry those relationships back. Yeah, I'm right along with Doris. This is Aminat. I'm most curious about how these relationships are going to translate back in the office from the line and who is still going to commune with each other and and who is not. I think that that is my biggest fear in all of this is being that I'm already so marginalized within the industry, within HarperCollins, outside the picket line. I want the people who acknowledge me on the line to also still acknowledge me the same in the office. I'm not really thinking about so much as how other people are going to perceive us or anything. It's it's more so about the sustainability of the community that we've built now. And I'd also just like to add from what you said in the beginning when you were talking about not being able to join the union. I, again, have served in several capacities, although I have never been able to somehow break the managerial mold or anything higher than that. But sometimes, depending on the role that I had, I wasn't able to be in the union. Like I, at one point, I only knew if I was in the union, if I got a paper on my desk the day it was a union day, you know, a union meeting. So that's another thing that's a little loggy. In regards to that, those who are still supportive of the union, but not able to be part of the union, have they been pretty vocal? Do you feel like they've been pretty vocal? I know for a fact there are a lot of supporters. You know, industry is big and small at the same time. So agents, authors, freelancers, booktubers, book talkers, bookstagrammers, book, you name book people and social media, all that stuff, all that great thing. I mean, the amazingness of Genesee and Franny Choi. Well, so it wasn't even hijacking because they gave Franny the password. So all this support that has come through, has there also been like that internal support? We've had some people reach out with support, some more loudly than others. We've had people donate to the picket line as well as to our strike fund because we are not receiving any paychecks from Harper at this time. And we also get gossip from the inside. Well, we love hearing that. We really see best the people who are loudest in their support. I've gotten text messages. I work in a department with about 15 people and one of my colleagues has texted their support. I've had other colleagues in the company, not necessarily in my department, who have supported via text messages and just said, you guys carry on and things like that. And a lot of the bookstores, Black-owned bookstores have been supportive. They pinned our graphic to the front of their page. So that's really amazing. And again, just the outpouring of support has been really humbling and really encouraging. Even you, Jen, bringing out hand warmers, that was amazing. And just the support on the line. Some I've seen people there who probably shouldn't have been there and they still showed up. And I thought that that was really amazing. So I, I think the pouring of support has been really fantastic. And so some of y'all kind of 
pointed this out, but what's next for you right now in terms of how you're taking it day by day, if you hadn't answered the question so far? This is Parrish. For me, I feel like I am waiting to see how our negotiations go. And I am very optimistic, but I am waiting to see how negotiations go to decide how feasible publishing is for me, because I'm starting to reach an age where I personally don't think it's acceptable that I make under 50K and live in New York City. This is my move to try and make publishing sustainable in such a way. And even if this does work and we get the raises we're asking for, money will still be tight. And so I'm deciding what is actually sustainable for me in the long run. And I want it to be publishing. I love my work. And so I'm optimistic. I'm excited to get back to working on the books. I primarily work on picture books and I love them so much. And I want to be back doing my job. And I'm excited to see my coworkers who are not in the union again. I think it'll be fine, but we'll see. (laughs) I'm just taking it day by day right now. It's still kind of surreal. And next I am going to do more outreach since I'm remote. And like Parrish, I miss my work. I'm also working on picture books and I I just miss what I do day to day. Those daily tasks and like receiving acquisitions and like reading the new work and looking at the illustration. Yeah, I just, I miss it. I miss doing my job. Um, This is Genesee, but for me, Similarly to Amina, I'm also taking it day by day because I don't want to burn out on the strike line. I'm also taking strong advice from Doris to chill a little bit. Doris has been telling me to chill and to just stay home some days and listen to my body. And I'm really thankful for it because I do need words like that to just be like, it's okay to rest. I too miss my work. A part of me is doing my hardest to remember that I still have a job. The work is still going to be there when the strike is over. But there's some points of the day where I'm like, OMG, like, do I have a job? But then, then I'm like, yes, yes, you, like, you still have a job. And so I hope that after the strike, I can do more of the work that I was previously doing. And I hope that after the strike, I can move further in my career. I also have to say that I'm really happy, not happy that you all were in pain, but happy to hear that you all bodies were also worn out because I'm just like, I am so old when I was dragging myself around and begging my daughter to massage my leg. So I'm really glad to hear that I was not the only one. And it's not because I'm an old foggy, but really too, I'm just taking it one day at a time. I mean, I took a survey that told me that I make less than 64% of people like me. So again, I don't think that I'm going to get paid what I deserve at Harper. So yeah, I'm just really just exploring what other options might be available. So in the grand scheme, like what's the most immediate way people can support you all? And I don't only mean the union. Up top is the union. Like, how can we support the union? And y'all's follow HCP union, HCP UNION on Instagram and Twitter for info. But how can we also help you as individuals? So, we do receive some money from the union for strike pay. Starting next week, we will be eligible for unemployment and we'll be getting some pay through that. And I also literally this morning, turned in a freelance sensitivity read. I do sensitivity reads. I'm probably going to do up my freelance editing. Probably need to anyway. (laughs) 
even when I go back to work. Because, man, does money make life easier. But also, please donate to our strike fund. People love sending physical things to the picket line, and that is appreciated. But rent needs to be paid, and rent can't be paid for with coffee. So (laughs) we've been able to use that fund to help people cover the gaps that they're missing right now. And we're very appreciative of everyone who's been able to donate. I also freelance. So what do you freelance in though, Doris? Editing, reviews? Well, I actually, I do book reviews. I'm also a bookstagrammer and I also mentor authors and special needs parents. I'm kind of like all over the place. I'm a Gemini. So there's five of me and we all help people, whoever needs it. I think it's fortunate that unemployment is an option as well. I was reading today online and I didn't know that actually New York is the only state that allows you to collect unemployment when you're on strike. Wow. That's a bonus. Yeah. Check for New York. And also Harper has to pay for that unemployment insurance that we will be using. So it costs even more money than it was already costing them to not have us in the office. Yeah. They're still paying mine too. So gratifying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like some maniacal laugh. <laughs> um, so i can't thank y'all's enough especially this is a recording happening pre-holiday if you celebrate thanksgiving but really like native heritage month native heritage day that is what i acknowledge so before this holiday and recognition of the people who are the originators of this land and all that good stuff. I really appreciate, again, y'all taking time out of your day and hope you are resting significantly and feeling heartened by the support. And I would love if you feel comfortable for you to share your information so people can reach out, maybe follow you, hire you for some freelance, reach out to you about some projects if you were interested in them. If you feel comfortable shouting out your stuff, like a website, a socials, feel free. So my name is Parrish Turner, P-A-R-R-I-S-H-T-U-R-N-E-R. And luckily that's an uncommon enough name that I have Parrish Turner at Gmail, Parrish Turner on Twitter, and ParrishTurner.com, just my name, and it's two R's. And I am always on the lookout for freelance work. Oh, I am on Instagram too, but I didn't get Parish Turner on there. On Instagram, I am the Parish Experience because that's what Instagram recommended I use. You can follow me at Doris at Onyx Editions at Instagram and Twitter. Although my Twitter following is a little small. I just came over there right when it's about to stink. So that's indicative of my life. And I have onyxeditions.com and yeah, I'm also a finalist in the We Need Diverse Book Black Creatives Workshop. <laughs> and that's Onyx Edition, O-N-Y-X-E-D-I-T-I-O-N-S, all one word. Yeah. Genesee, uh, you can follow me at Jen with a G, floor underscore. So that's G-E-N-F-L-O-R underscore on Twitter to see a picture of me running across the street to Padma Lakshmi uh, HarperCollins Union pin and Ibram X Kendi. That was also really cool. <laughs> and on Instagram, you can find me at Jen, same thing with a G, dot floor, so G-N dot F-L-O-R on Instagram. I am on Instagram at Amistry underscore A-H-M-I-S-T-R-Y underscore. Don't really use it that often. 
Um, but you know, I like to see what's going on. So I'm more of a voyeur in that way. Also on Twitter, I think same handle. I don't know. I just view other people's stuff again. But if you really would like to hit me up, then mainly email it amunetj at gmail. So a h m u n e t j at gmail. I'm still kind of old school. And again, you can also donate, follow, share, support the HCP Union, HCP Union, U-N-I-O-N, at Instagram, I believe Twitter, and the hashtag HCP on strike is being used. We have an amazing team handling social media, our remote workers, and they're doing such a fabulous job. Yeah, super responsive too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but y'all are definitely on Twitter strong, Instagram strong. Instagram is really my favorite because shouts to Ryan for that Avengers video. That was very nice. The Avengers video. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, do look it up. Check it out on our social media. It's very fun. Yeah. Awesome social media. Go to support, but stay for the gifs and memes (laughs) because it's very, very good content. And please, 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 if you can. Donate to the strike fund, follow folks, listen to the conversation. There are several things that the union has said that requested of people in the industry and adjacent to the industry, but also readers too. You don't have to be in the industry. And again, correct me if I am wrong. Continue to buy books. Don't not buy books by HarperCollins. Do buy books by HarperCollins, preferably by indie bookstores. That's just me saying that. If you are a reviewer, or talker or Instagram or whatever, please hold reviews or shares of HarperCollins books until the contract is negotiated. If you are an agent or author who has an agent submitting your stuff, hold submissions until the contract has been negotiated in hopefully the terms that the union wants. And please do not scab. So if you don't know what a scab is, like, please don't take freelance work while people are on strike. Please don't take these jobs and these roles while people are on strike. Also, if you're a freelancer, please don't take new contracts like copy editing or proofreading or designing and stuff like that until this contract has been negotiated. Is that accurate? And is that most or all of what y'all are asking for or had suggested? That is accurate, Jen. Thank you so much. I have the most abundance gratitude for you all for pushing for what you believe in, for setting the stage in a very positive way, for showing what people what's possible and here to support you in any way possible. As long as my freelance checks come in, the strike fund will be getting my money. (laughs) So please know that there is support in multitude ways that any way that I or listeners can do more, don't ever hesitate to ask or let us know how we can amplify. So a lot of gratitude to you, Parrish, Genesee, Aminette, and Doris, and your entire union cohort for setting the stage for something monumental. And thank you so much for letting us talk about what we're doing with everyone on your platform. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you thank so much you for Jen. having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And again, y'all, HCP Union. Please follow them on the socials. Follow these fantastic professionals and amazing individuals as well, because they're just awesome. And I I consider you still colleagues, even though we don't work in the same space. We're eternal colleagues. And again, you can listen to the podcast at minoritiesandpublishing.tumblr.com on Twitter, because we're staying there. 
at Minorities in Pub and wherever you listen to podcasts, including TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please take care of yourselves and take care of each other.